This episode of the Breakthrough Success Podcast is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is your business's command center. The easy-to-use app powers your sales, operations, and customer service all in one place. Go check them out at getjobber.com slash breakthrough to receive 20% off your first six months. Our society is built on accumulating as much money as possible. And for some people, it's to spend. For other people, it's to save and invest. But part of becoming financially empowered, it's not just about how much money you make or even how much money you keep. It's how are you utilizing your money. And there is an ability more than ever before to really invest your money into good causes and use your money to make a difference. So that's why in this episode, we're going to talk about not only like how do you become financially empowered, but how can you invest your money to make a difference? So our guest who joins us in this episode, she is a senior financial advisor at Stearns Financial Group and the managing partner of their Chapel Hill office. Over the past 10 years, she has built a practice devoted primarily to women and their financial empowerment. She's written a few books, such as her latest book, Women on Top, which discusses women in the context of wealth and social change. So our guest who joins us in this episode is none other than Holly Modasser. Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Holly, it's a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And when it comes to money, a lot of people do think about making enough money to pay off expenses and then spend it. But this idea of investing for a cause, investing to make a difference, can you walk us down that path of how we can start to go on that journey? Sure. Well, I think for the most part, especially today in today's day and age where people are so politically divided in our country, we kind of all turn our heads and shake our heads in frustration. You know, what can you do to be heard? And we basically have had two traditional methods of doing that. It's either the ballot box or it's philanthropy. But there's now a new way to do that. And it doesn't involve giving your money away. It simply involves investing your money with companies that align with your values. And, and so this used to be thought of back in the day as a, a sort of, you know, you're a bleeding heart liberal or you're a tree hugger and you're, you're not financially savvy and you're willing to accept lower investment returns because you really care about something. But it's not that way anymore. I mean, in today's environment with ESG investing, that stands for environmental, social, and governance investing, we find that that kind of investing is actually better investing, mainly because we're in a day and age of social media. So we all know that if you get a bad PR event that occurs and it goes viral, it impacts stock prices. You know, people get angry. And so it's actually a better, smarter way to invest because it reduces your risk as an investor, but it also can do good in the world. It's another way to leverage your wealth to have a voice. For example, if you are upset about climate change, you know, you don't want to go invest in companies that are irresponsible with the climate. You know, if you believe in gender equality, then you want to invest in companies that promote women and that have women in the C-suite and in the boardroom. And I mean, it's, 
it sounds so simple and yet this is something that just has not been done which kind of boggles the mind when you think about what a capitalist society we are to have this much wealth invested and not use it to have to leverage your voice seems almost absurd but that's kind of what it is and the interesting thing about this approach i mean donating to a charity is still good but if you're someone who maybe you don't have as much money to just give in that nature you can invest it in a way that gives you a return and your money is going to a good cause and for people who maybe they're not sure what their values are like they have very basic ideas but how can we get a little deeper into figuring out what our values are and then finding companies that align with those? Well, I think that's a terrific question because I think generally people know that they care about the environment, but they don't really know what that means. Um, you know, what kind of a company is good or not good in that regard? Fortunately, there are rating agencies that actually rate not only companies, but ETFs and mutual funds. And so, um, MSCI is one, Sustainalytics is one. Um, you can go online and you can look up what the ratings are for these companies. And there is a flavor for, there's virtually every flavor out there for anything you wanna do. I mean, there are things for, you know, promoting um, Jewish equality. There are, there's, there's all kinds of flavors of this. So you really can impact very specific causes that you care about things like poverty for example um, is the company a good corporate citizen are they using slave modern day slave labor to create their sodas with their sugar products you know and and so there there's so much that you can do with this it just takes a little bit of research um and it you know if you have an advisor or um, a financial person in your world asking them about it. Anyone can help you with this. And the criteria, it takes a whole new level because now it's not just, I want, so I'm a dividend investor. So I'm going to use this as the example. I want a stock that has a 3% dividend yield that grows at around 10% with their dividend each year. And now you add another criteria to it where you want it to be environmentally friendly. So you lower the amount of stocks that fit your criteria. Some people may see that as bad, but in lowering your, in getting more clear on your criteria and having more qualifications, you are building a portfolio you could feel more confident about and sleep with at night. Uh, because a lot of people who they just invest without doing any research or not knowing if the company fits their values and investing just because it's gone up in the past year, it's a little hard to sleep at night if you don't know the fundamentals and if your money is going to the things you believe in. Yeah, and, and I, let me just back up for a second and say there have been all kinds of studies done that show that ESG investing actually reduces risk and over the long term, you would make either comparable or better returns. And I can give you several examples of scenarios. Remember the Volkswagen scenario, the emissions testing? Mm. Uh, that was a disaster. It cost Volkswagen billions of dollars. So the rating agencies um, that look at ESG criteria had downgraded Volkswagen two years before that incident even broke. 
So if you had been an ESG investor, you would not have been invested in Volkswagen and you wouldn't have lost money then. Same with Wells Fargo. Remember the banking scandal that went on? Um, That was downgraded at least a year before um, that scandal broke. And so there are numerous incidents and scandals that, again, in a day and age of social media, we can find those things. And companies' reputational risk is hugely important in the value of a stock. So really, it empowers the investor. It empowers us as citizens of this country to be able to say, you know, I really want a a, a transparent corporate board. I, I don't want these shady goings on in the companies that I'm investing in. And those companies are gonna end up not doing as well because people feel the way that we do. I mean, it always comes out, right? It always comes out and it always impacts shareholder value negatively. So why not get an edge on that and and, and actually be looking at those things when you're making an investment. You're not, you're not getting rid of the un- other fundamental analysis. In other words, you're still looking at the dividend yield. You're still yeah. looking at shareholder value. You're still looking at earnings growth, but you're also looking at reputational risk. And part of that is, is the ESG criteria. And some people may say, I just care about my return. And the issue with that approach is if you're okay with investing in bad reputation companies that are giving you good returns now, you're going to end up in a big mess of a situation later when that reputation leads to the downfall. So some people may have just heard Volkswagen and Wells Fargo and be like, well, I don't invest in those companies. But if you have an index fund, you probably are invested in those companies to some degree. So I like the idea. It's not just like we want to invest to make a difference. And that's the whole context of this episode. But in doing so, you are helping your total return because investing to make a difference by definition is investing in these companies that have good intentions, that have the good balance sheet. So how though do we figure out the difference between companies, let's say, let's go back to environment and let's get really specific with it. We care about water and like water not being polluted. So you have two companies that specialize in it, company A and company B. Company A has the beautiful balance sheet, company B, not so much. How do we, even though both of those companies do the same thing, how can we get better at seeing the differences between company A and company B and investing in assets that give us not only the difference, but also the return. So let let me just start out by saying you're never going to invest in a company with a bad balance sheet. I mean, this is an added criteria to already having done the fundamental analysis on companies. Okay. So we're, we're never going to say, well, this company has good intentions, even though they're losing money, let's just go ahead and invest in them. No, we're not going to do that. Um, so you're going to start out with companies already that are good investments. And often in today's day and age, we're not even looking at individual companies. Most people in, invest in ETFs and mutual funds. Those are a lot more opaque. Like you said, there are companies in there, you don't even know what they're doing. And um, the way that 
I came upon this was, I'm sure you remember the school shooting that happened in Florida. And it was just public outrage. Remember, people took to social media, these poor kids, 17 kids yeah. got shot with a semi-automatic weapon. And in my office, we suddenly started getting phone calls from our investors saying, look, I don't want to have anything to do with gun stocks or bump stocks or anything in the industry. So we ran it through our model and we found that, in fact, um, several of our ETFs and mutual funds held Dick Sporting Goods and Walmart. And both of those companies, you know, as wonderful as they are, were selling guns and bump stocks. So what I realized at that moment, we sold those holdings, by the way, for our clients. But what I realized was when companies perceive economic risk with, with um, the court of public opinion, they will make a change. And within two weeks, both Dick's and Walmart either raised the age that you could buy guns by two years, or they stopped selling their bump stocks. So within two weeks, you know, not all this political wrangling that we've had and, you know, with the NRA and should you, shouldn't you, you vote for a politician, you hope something finally happens and it's been going on for years and years. But no, social media and economic risk and it took two weeks to make a real difference. And that's when I realized that we actually own these companies as investors. If we don't like what they're doing, they will change their behavior if there's risk to them. And there's risk. When you go on social media and you don't wanna buy their products and they're getting a bad reputation, people stop shopping at their stores. And that's lower revenue, lower earnings, you know, you know the story. So um, I think this is a very powerful tool where, it, where investors can reclaim some of the power. I mean, we're capitalizing these companies. We should have a say in what they're doing in terms of the environment, in terms of their boards, in terms of executive compensation, in terms of the way they, you know, now in the day and age of coronavirus, are these people mm. being good to our, um, to their employees? You know, is it, is it Tyson, you know, or are, are they forcing people to go to work or laying them off if they don't, or are they allowing people to work from home? Can they, what kind of precautions are they taking? So we actually are capitalizing these companies. We can send that message of, we like what you're doing, we don't like what you're doing. And it's a very direct route, as opposed to hoping that your, let's say your politician is able to sway Congress, gridlock Congress to actually do something, you can do it directly. And that's the whole idea behind ESG investing. Mm. We have more great content coming up in this episode, but first we have a message from today's sponsor, Jobber. Jobber's award-winning software helps small home service businesses organize their entire operations from scheduling jobs and managing their crews to invoicing customers and collecting payments. That way, you can spend more time on the services you're already great at. Job by job, business by business, Jobber is transforming the ways their customers deliver service. Start your free trial over at getjobber.com slash breakthrough. All right, let's get right back into the episode. And when you do buy shares, you do own the company. I think a lot of people think of it as Hollywood's mentioning, like 
just getting the return, not really thinking that you have a voice, something you can say. And I think that helps a lot of investors who maybe they see a lot of good things in the company, a lot of bad things in the company. I'll use Amazon as the example. I love that they've allowed me to sell published books. They allow you to get all of your products very quickly. Their working environments are very horrible for their workers. So uh, that's just stuff you have to juggle and uh, is it something that's worth and then just being able to voice your thoughts on that type of stuff because uh, like I'm just using Amazon as an example because it resonates a lot with me based on the work I've been doing but that's just a type of thing you can voice out on uh, instead of just being completely passive and 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 to that point Mark you make a very good point most of the time people think that if you don't like what a company is doing, the thing you should do is not hold their stock. But when you sell their stock, by definition, someone else is buying it, right? So the company, it has no impact to the company, whether you own the stock or I own the stock. You sold it to me. They don't even know why you sold it. People rebalance portfolios, hundreds of thousands of transactions every day. The com that's not sending the company a message. So a lot of times, um, what we advocate at Stearns is sort of a best-in-class approach. So you might actually decide that I want to own Amazon stock or I want to own this stock and I want to be a shareholder advocate. I want to file a shareholder resolution. I mean, now you have a seat at the table. If you own the share of stock of a company, you've got a seat. If you just sell it, I mean, what good are you really doing? Someone else owns it. You're not injuring the company by doing that. And again, this is not intended to be adversarial. It's intended to communicate to the company that, you know, I really care about this. I really care that you don't have any women in the boardroom, or I really care about the way you treat your employees. And I'm filing a shareholder resolution, and I want that voice to be heard. And it's remarkably effective. There is a um, not-for-profit shareholder advocacy group. The biggest one in the country is called As You Sow. And um, you can go onto their website. You can type in any ETF that you want, any stock that you want, and it'll give you their ratings. And if you want to participate in shareholder resolutions, they will vote your proxy. You can vote your proxy for the shares that you own and actually make a difference as opposed to just selling your stock and having no voice, then, then you're not even in the game, so to speak. That's a really great way to put it because I can see some people like a big news item comes out and then they just want to abandon ship on a stock that they've loved for years. And uh, right. it's just easier to keep the shares and engage your voice. Engage with the company, you know, companies like as you sow and various, um, you know, fund managers that we work with that are actively engaged, they actually sit, go to their, um, to the company's um, CEO. They talk to them and say, look, our shareholders really are upset about X, Y, and Z. We want you to do something about this. And believe me, these companies do not want shareholder resolutions going to vote. Most of the time, they will do whatever it takes to stop that from happening. So really, Leveraging your voice means engaging with the company. It doesn't mean dumping the stock. Yeah, and I, I love that approach because then 
you could reach a solution that affects the company instead of something that you feel good about doing that doesn't really have an impact. And I do feel like conscience feel better, but it's actually doing no good. Mm. So you sell the stock and you kind of are like, yes, I dumped that stock and you know, I got them, but you really didn't because they don't even know you and they don't even know, they don't care whether you own it or I own it or who owns it. Somebody owns their shares. Right. And that's just the transaction. I mean, you sell, someone else buys, as Holly mentioned. I do want to jump into financial empowerment for a little bit because with this type of investing, any investing in general, the way to invest more and more is to make more money, save more money. So how can we get smart with our finances so that we do have more money to invest in the companies that are doing good work. Well, so um, for millennials, I mean, for sure, you should be making IRA contributions. You should be um, investing in your 401k at work, at least to the point where you get the employer match. Now, one of the issues that I ran across in researching my book is that something like 97% of 401ks don't even offer ESG investing. So what you can do directly is go to your HR department and say, look, you know, I'm participating in my 401k, but I really want to, I want to have some influence and I want to know what I'm investing in and I want to care about what I'm investing in. So that's, that's one start. But generally speaking as, as a country, as a whole, the majority of the wealth right now lies with the boomer generation because we've been working a lifetime and we've saved assets. And so it has been with the boomer male. And as women live longer than men, and as these men die, there's a massive inheritance that's going on to the boomer women. So it's gone from the boomer male to the boomer woman. Right now, boomer women control at least 60% of the nation's wealth. It's going to get up to about 67% when it's all said and done, which is about $22 trillion. And just to put that in perspective for your audience, the entire GDP of Australia is $1 trillion. Wow. So women right now control close to $22 trillion, boomer women. And so they have this unprecedented opportunity. They've got more wealth than any cohort in the country. If, and they actually, women studies show this, they really care about the greater good. Most of them in the survey that I did, I interviewed 500 boomer women, 80% of them didn't even know what ESG investing was. They don't even know what it is. So my mission with this book is ladies, boomer ladies, who've got this massive amount of wealth, don't let this opportunity to leverage your voice and put your stamp on what happens with social issues in this country go to waste. You know, it's, it's a short-lived opportunity because when the boomer women die, that money then transfers to their kids. And that's more 50-50, men and women. So right now, women probably have more power than ever in history. And 
with the finances that you have, you don't want it to just sit there. You want to use it in a meaningful way. If you are older, you do want to put more money into bonds just to stay safe, but you still want to invest in stocks. The younger you are, the more risk you take with the stock market. So there is that based on what age you are, based on what your goals are, but it is important to use your money to make a return. And you could do that while investing in a way that allows you to make a difference. And Holly's work is making a difference in a lot of people's lives. And I think you guys should follow everything she's doing. So with that in mind, where do we go to keep following your work and journey? Um, well, I would love to hear from your audience. Um, you can um, contact Stern's Financial Group. Um, I'm a partner there, and I would love to entertain your thoughts and questions. Um, reach out to me um, and, and let me help you navigate what your interests are. We'll have that down in the show notes as long as uh, along with Holly's books as well. Holly, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure. Take care. This episode of the Breakthrough Success Podcast was brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is your business's command center. The easy-to-use app powers your sales, operations, and customer service all in one place. Start a free trial or sign up today to receive 20% off your first six months. Find out more at getjobber.com slash breakthrough.